Welcome to A Whole Load of Property, Business, and Mindset, a podcast bringing together like-minded people who have an interest in all things business, property investing, and personal development, no matter what stage of your journey you're at. And now, here's your host, Dan Cooper. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first podcast back in 2022. I hope you enjoyed your break and you're looking forward to the year ahead. I certainly am. And I'm going to be releasing a podcast every week. So happy new year. Have a fantastic year. Hope 2021 was great, but I hope 2022 is even better. So on this podcast, we are going to have Dan Swaysland. Now, Dan Swaysland is someone I've known for a number of years. Um, He started a business called Ocean Capital Exchange, founder um, started that business in May 2017, to which he has grown e- extremely quickly, um, done very well, and after a few years of running, they're now in the Leaden Hall building. So this is a business that has scaled very quickly. Now he's on the podcast today just to talk about his experience in business, some of the challenges he's faced, and you know I think it's very valuable for some of the listeners out there who may even end up doing business with Dan and the company that he that he owns due to the. Um, the services that they offer so they've expanded these so listen in it's going to be a fantastic podcast hi dan mate thanks for uh thanks for coming on appreciate it how's things going yeah good thanks for having me um not bad um busy busy day at work um markets are, are very choppy at the moment so um yeah it makes makes uh our, our job interesting being on the currency market so um yeah i mean november started off fairly slow uh and it, like, like i said it's picking up new businesses is flying in um the, the lads doing quite well uh, with on the new business side of things so can't complain um how about you how's a uh, how's life treating you yeah not too bad thanks mate um you know i've been been self-employed for a few weeks now probably i think into my fifth week um like we were just talking about off uh offline then yeah it's just you know keeping yourself motivated, make sure you're not a busy fool. The motivation thing I'm fine with, it's um, making sure I'm doing, let's say, the right tasks to to grow the business in the right way, if that makes sense. You know, it's uh, getting my feet under the table. First few weeks felt like it was annual leave, but since then, um, you know, there's been a lot of opportunity already, which is I'm working on with with a lot of other people. Well, I say a lot of other people, a few others. So, you know, it'll probably slow down over the next four or five, well, few weeks over Christmas. Um and then you know the market, the property market is mad in January. Although the last eighteen months it's been mad anyway, so it's not been a normal market. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's going well, going well. But it's good to catch up. So you know we we've known each other probably well, a good number of years now, over ten years, That's briefly. Time, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, briefly in the for the sixth form days, wasn't it? And then and luckily, lucky for you, I guess. Yeah, bumped into each other in Australia with you, few others, and uh, we had a bit of a breeze out there, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, Australia. That was um, a while back now. Um, good memories. I've still got friends over there. Obviously, um, some of the girls that went to Hartford Grammar. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think some of them are planning on coming back here uh, in, a, in a few months' time. So, yeah, still in, still in contact with a lot, lot of people over there. Makes me jealous. But I think they've had a, a much tougher lockdown um, than we have over here. So, I think they're pretty spot in that regard. So, I'm glad I'm not yeah. there. Yeah, at least, I mean, you know, yeah, they have been. Um, one of my best mates, one of my groomsman he couldn't make it over to our wedding early well, a few months ago just because because of the lockdown rules and that but um you know at least they get the weather and the beaches don't they which we don't really get over here yeah you've got to take the rough of the smooth haven't you <laughs> that's it yeah so um 
you know, for those for the for the listeners out there, Dan, um, you touched on what you sort of brief briefly do. You're talking about the financial markets and that, but tell us a bit about yourself, just so the listeners, um, you know, get to understand, you know, what it is you do, your background, taking back, you know, probably not as far as we go back, but just a bit before that, so everyone can understand what it is what it is you do. I'll go back to um, start a career. Uh, essentially, that's when I was 19. Um, Started out uh, in in FX straight away. It's all of it's pretty much all I've done. Um, I started as a junior broker, uh, worked in Canary Wolf, um, hammering out a lot of phone calls um, to a lot of would be prospects. Um, took a lot of rejection, um, and it, it obviously built a built a thicker skin, which is key in this industry. Um, I I moved on to um, my last employment. I was there for four years before obviously went travelling as as you just mentioned, bumped into in Australia um, as a way for year and a half did uh, Southeast Asia um, clockwise Thailand uh, Laos Vietnam all the rest of it uh, then over to Australia worked a bit over there did a bit of sales used sort of um, some of the uh, kind of key attributes that I developed at my last employment um, over in the, on the sales floor we, we worked in the, in the same place same place wasn't it yeah I referred you into Pigbound yeah I? yeah you yeah. helped me got the, you helped me get the job there yeah, yeah. Um, that was fun uh, I got a pretty easy ride there um, easier than some other people selling life insurance um, but no um, and then yeah came back to um, UK sort of 20, 2016 December um, started up um, Ocean Capital Exchange um, my, my business um in around may may june time in 2017 uh, so and yeah just been plugging away ever since um just touching back on you said you, it feels like being on annual leave uh it's very much very similar for me for the first six months working from home going from having a boss to to being your own boss is is quite the adjustment um some people thrive a little better with having someone breathing down their neck and uh, it's quite easy to put your feet up um but yeah we've, uh, we're still going so plug it away so we're we're in an office now um, in the city, the Lennon building, cheese grater for for those uh, for so those local, um, and yeah, going going all right. Oh, brilliant! Was you recently in Canary Wharf? Have you recently moved then to the Leadenhall? Or... We were, yeah. So I, I live in Canary Wharf, so we we were we were there for a couple of years, um, and I just felt like there was a bit of a better vibe in the in the city, especially with COVID as well. Canary Wharf was, was very it's been very quiet last couple of years, so. Um, yeah, and the city's a bit livelier. You've got kind of more opportunities locally to kind of go out and, and meet people as well. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to stay put there for a few years at least. Oh, brilliant! So take taking back then. So um, you know, I remember you. I remember having a conversation with you actually. Um, you know, you, you didn't go straight into the city, did you? you? I remember having a conversation and you're sitting on the sofa with your laptop at home doing it doing it on your own so it must have been like say a bit of an adjustment and transition going from where you were back in 2017 to now because going going you know hats off to you that's quite a quite a quick good transformation so going from um you know your sofa to being in canary wharf or, or the leaden hall now in in three four years is pretty remarkable so what what would you sort of what what would you owe the success then what what would you say was beneficial for that growth Oh, yeah, no, I appreciate you saying. Um, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, I was at a slight disadvantage having been away from the market for a year and a half, um, have, trying to start business and, and get back into it after all that time. You know, you lose a lot of contact with, um, obviously, previous contacts. And uh, it's not like you jump in from one company and, and then start in your own thing straight away, which is a bit of an advantage. 
Um, so yeah, it was quite slow. Obviously, sitting in, sitting as you said, on the sofa in, in my tracksuit bottoms um, for the first six months, bugging away just on. I got myself a VoIP system, new laptop, um, and just just made a few calls, and it just it just grew from there. Um, so yeah, I guess just trying to be just just put the work in early doors um, was was all, all all I could focus on was was getting an office. So once I kind of was able to get an office, then I could take on some some junior brokers um and then obviously grow the sales team exponentially uh but a good good friend of mine you dan anson um you know he started with me uh, around december january time of december time of, of 2017 uh he's been with me ever since so that helps obviously when you've got someone else two of you kind of um working working together uh we moved into our first office january feb february time of 2018 um and it's 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 been it's been choppy. Um, if I were to start again, would I have worked a little bit harder uh, at the start and, and put a lot more hours on the phone? Yes, um, but yeah, I'm quite I'm quite content with with our growth over the last couple of years at least. Oh, brilliant! So um, with with that, then obviously, like you say, Dan Dan's been there for a while, so I'm, <laughs> I assume he's doing all that. Then yeah, I'll crumble. Yeah, he's, he's still got he's a good. seat for now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. So, um, yeah, like you're saying, quick growth, taking on offices so you can take on staff. Has that been a challenge trying to to, to find the right staff? And, uh, and you know, I guess it's a numbers game because it, ideally it's a sales environment you're in, isn't it? You know, feeding that funnel at the top and making sure, you know, fill it for 100, you get two, two out the bottom to convert. Is, is that primarily what, what it is you're doing then? Yeah, so... Look, finding the staff um, is probably one of the biggest challenges that we've we've faced. Um, not to disrespect any previous staff we've had, obviously, it's not for everyone. Um, sales isn't for everyone. It's um, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, you need thick skin. Uh, you need to be self motivated, and um, some people just aren't cut out for it. So finding those people. Um, I, I would say um, the best people to have working for you in, in a sales environment are those people that see it as a kind of business within a business, that they're working autonomously, they're not working for you. Um, and that kind of motivates them more, really, and if they're, they're going to be self-motivated, self-motivated that way. So um, if you can find, yeah, I, I've got a couple of those lads now that I'm really happy with. So if you can find people like that, um, that's just going to help you. You kind of grow much quicker. Um, we 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 only hire now um, on uh, attitude uh, as opposed to natural sales ability. Um, I, I'd hire someone with natural sales ability over. Sorry, I'd hire anyone with a good attitude over natural sales ability any day of the week um, because you know they're going to put the work in. They're going to work hard. They're going to get to where they need to be eventually, um, and. Yeah, they're just gonna. In my experience, they're, they're the ones that stay the longest and and are, turn out to be the best employees. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, it isn't for anyone or everyone. I've worked in sales. Um, like I said, we worked at the same place prior. Um, back in Australia, I've worked in a few sales-based roles, and the churn you, you see is quite high because, like you say, getting told no. It, people aren't get used to getting told no all the time, are they? And like you say, you have got to have a thick skin. You got to build that resilience. Do you think people have natural sales ability, or they can? They have the natural sales ability and they can hone it and learn and develop and grow. Or do you think that you can learn it? Is it something that you either have or you don't? Because, you know, I've seen people who, you know, think they're really big bollocks sort of come into a sales environment, you know, couldn't sell anything. 
you know, do you, do you think yeah. it's because they, they think they're shit at what they're doing or it's just the case that, you know, they just don't have that natural sales ability and they don't know how to build that initial rapport. You know, the open-end question, there's so many different sales te- techniques out there. You can probably Google and you'll find a hundred different books. Obviously, everyone has their own sort of way, way of selling. But like I was saying, do you think you either have it or you don't? It, it, it's something that you can't learn. Yeah, to, to a degree. Um Going back to, uh, you're absolutely right as well. There's, there's so many people I've come across that um, they, they thought they were the nuts. Uh, they've come in and they haven't lasted a week uh, and they've been out the door. They've had the air slicked back. They've had the braces on. They've, <laughs> they've come in. Um, and yeah, it, it hasn't been for them. Um, it, it, look, you, you, can do, you can do well uh, if you don't have natural sales ability. I, I wouldn't say I had natural sales ability at all. Um, I'm not the biggest extrovert um and uh don't really have the gift of the gab um i, I guess there's, there's kind of two types of of sales consultant um and yeah it's it's the more consultative types that, that learn the product um they know exactly they what, what they're saying they know the market uh, and they can kind of win people around that way and then you've got the the bullish sales types who might not know the product as well um but they are persuasive on the phone and they are that kind of little bit more that, that little bit pushier um so yeah i mean you, you just got to kind of work out which type of sales type you are and and, and yeah and, and go with go with that one um yeah what was we when did i how did i get to that point <laughs> uh, i was just saying like do you, do you think people are born with natural sales ability or they can yeah. de- they can develop it yeah, yeah. So, I'd say I'd say yes and no. Um, yeah. To to answer the question, sort of, I'd say you you some are natural sales ability, uh, but they might not have the right attitude. Um, yeah. And they're the sort of people that you might see jumping around from firm to firm, um, never really progressing in their career because, um, yeah, they, they they can't hold the job down, or or there's there's certain things that are preventing them from from progressing. I think the best people. The ones with the right attitude, put the work in. They they control the things that they can control. Okay, your your KPIs, your how many calls you're making, how many people you're speaking to. Um, as you said it earlier, it, it is a numbers game. So you've got people with the right attitude that that are going to put the work in, um, regardless of the sales ability, natural sales ability or not. Then they're the ones that will do well. Um, and the sales you determine by the figures, don't you? So I'd say, yeah, they've got that, they've got the ability if they if they put it working. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think you've sort of touched on a key point and attitude, isn't it? And I think in every walk of life, you've got to have the right attitude because if you don't have the right attitude, you know, I think you get left behind. You have to have one a positive outlook and the correct attitude because opportunity is not going to come to you. Or you're not going to spot the opportunity as much as you would if you know you're sort of sitting there you know, not, not really sort of trying hard, not really working at what you're trying to do. Um, you know, you make 80 calls a day, let's say, as opposed to someone's making 120 calls a day. Every, every two days they're doing exactly the same as you do per day. So, you know, exponentially, they're obviously going to be a lot better. Um, it's just getting up there, having that attitude and, and going at it. But no, I fully agree. Um, like I say I've worked in sales and sometimes you just have some of them shit days and it gets you really down, doesn't it? You're sitting there and you're thinking, I can't sell a thing. What's going on here? And then, I remember oh, I used yeah. to sell at peak bound. I used to sell better hungover. So if I used to go out the night before, because you're sort of more relaxed, you don't really care as much, do you? And I used to sell yeah. brilliantly double shot cappuccino before I started during the lunch break, um, the break and in the afternoon do brilliant. Didn't go out the night before. I was so like, 
you know, slow on the phone. I just, I couldn't sell anything. So I just thought, you know, I'll just go out all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, you're one of the lucky ones. I'm quite the opposite, to be honest. I'll, I'll find myself, if I'm hungover and someone tells me, no, I'm in a foul mood, and that'll just reflect my next call. So. <laughs> yeah, but you do, don't you? You take it in, like, every call's a new one. You've got to sort of, like, sit back, shuffle your papers, be like, right, ready to go on the next one. Right, this call's a new call. Um, but, yeah, when you get 10 in a row, you start questioning your own ability and think, fucking hell, I'm useless at this. Um, what am I even doing here in the centre? But... Um, this is it you do doubt yourself i think every salesperson multiple times throughout their career will will hit a wall um and they'll start asking themselves questions like can i do this you you could have there's a funny thing about sales is you could have uh, an amazing month but you're only really as good as your last month right so you could have the first two weeks of your next month are absolutely awful and you'll be doubting yourself i mean i'm useless my, my base has gone to shit I, I, I don't know where my next you know where my clients are coming from you know, I know where you can have a couple of really good days and then you think, oh, it's all right again. You know, I don't mind it. I'll keep doing this for another month. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's having that mindset, isn't it, to keep going and just pushing forward and think it is going to happen. Um, you know, I, I sometimes get like that in properties. So, you know, buy a few properties and you're thinking, pipeline's drying up. You know, like I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. All of a sudden, you know, that one viewing or that one conversation you have, then, then it clicks and you think, wow, I've got enough one. Thank God for that because, you know, I thought I was having a right long dry spell, but no, I, f- I fully understand what you're saying. It is, um, it's a mad old world. Mm. Yeah. My, um, my old HR, um, uh, lady, uh, my old, um, uh, my previous employment, she was very big on, uh, self-talk. Um, and not that I think she suggested that we stand in front of the mirror and talk to ourselves, but I never actually got around to doing that, but, it's a the, the concept is is the same i suppose just you know, remind yourself that you're where you are for a reason um and this is what i try and portray to my my sales team as well just keep keep plugging away you're going to hit a wall everyone hits a wall you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days but just keep plugging away and uh, it will um, it will pay off in the end yeah so how, how do you find that they're motivating your sales team how have you found going from you know 19 year old dan on the sales floor you know absolutely having a blast out there you know all your clients all the revenue all the income commissions then going taking all of that to then start your own business and then try and teach that to, to your staff how, how you found the transition going from you know a salesperson to a business owner with a sales team pretty difficult to be honest um i was you know drawing on my own experience and i thought i know i'll just be able to, to slap a script in front of people they'll read it and they're going to get some clients on board. Uh, it didn't work out that way. Um, <laughs> uh, people obviously have all different abilities. Um, tonality is, is huge um, in, in sales. So if people don't have the right tonality and it, it's really hard to kind of teach that um, people have different, different levels of, of comfort in the office around people. So when you're trying to say to to, to your sales staff, look, you need to be enthusiastic. Uh, you need to act as though you believe in what you're selling. Otherwise, your prospect isn't going to believe you, right? If you go into a sales call with a monotonous um, voice and you sound like you're, you're half asleep, your your prospect isn't isn't going to give you the time of day. I, I, the amount of times I've said to him, look, that call you've just made, what would you do if you had that call, if you received that phone call? If someone called you up and said, 
morning. Uh, this is da, 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 calling regarding. You put the phone straight down because uh, I would because I, oh, I yeah, get a few yeah. sales calls. Um, but yeah, um, if I had someone that called me up and I regularly do, people who are, who are enthusiastic, the tonality and the enthusiasm supersedes the content of what they're saying. It's half the time I don't even hear or listen what they're saying, but I think I'll go send me an email. I'll have a little look through it because I've kind of bought into them as a person. Yeah, yeah. I think people obviously buy from people, don't they? So, um, yeah, going back to your original question, um, it has been tough um, kind of trying to portray what I knew and my experiences and developed into sales staff. Um, yeah, it's is not, is not as easy as I, as I thought it would be. One of the biggest challenges we faced, um, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not alone in this, is, is COVID. Um, I took on four sales guys. All at the same weeks, time? Or? All at the same time before lockdown. Um, so they were, yeah, five weeks and then they, they went on furlough um, because they, they weren't generating revenue yet. So it didn't make sense for them to be calling away to yeah, people yeah. in lockdown. Uh, this was 2020. Uh, yeah, sort of March last year. Um and then obviously, things happen. Um, I think they came back. They must have been working on other things while they were on furlough. And I, I don't want to speculate, but when they got back into the office, um, it kind of, yeah, it, we, we, they didn't pick up where they left off, essentially. So that was a bit of a setback. Um, and then, yeah, we've, just, we've, we've taken on a few people. They haven't lasted. I'd say that's the biggest challenge. You know, you, you kind of take someone on um, and then you spend sort of two to three months investing in them, training them up. And then it doesn't progress or transpire into a long-term um, employment. And then you've essentially feel as though you, you, you've just gone back in time three months and you've just wasted Starting that again, energy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's the toughest thing. Um, finding the staff is definitely the biggest challenge um, that, that we've faced. Um, but yeah, once you get once you get good staff, then I think you're, you're winning. Yeah, and uh, weirdly enough, I, I did a... A recording earlier another podcast with Dan um someone else called Dan actually Dan Green is uh he has a rent-to-rent portfolio and one of his biggest challenges he said as well same thing staff you know he, he had uh he had somebody come in come into the team you know you think that they're getting on with the job and then you know once you look or delve into it a bit more you know they weren't and like you say it's your business at the end of the day you know you're trying to instill the same values the core values that you have you know all the knowledge that you have and the wisdom for them to be able to carry your business because it's your reputation, isn't it? At the end of the day, you need to grow that. And if they can't, can't do that, then it's going to be a big struggle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you don't, <clears throat> obviously you need to kind of take into account that nobody is going to care about your business as much as you care about your business. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest kind of point. Um, and at the start, you expect them to, you, know, you, you think to yourself, hold on, I'm paying you. What? <laughs> Why are you not treating it? Why do you not care as much as I do? But, um, they're not going to. Um, so you need to kind of take that into account, which is fair. Um, but that goes back to what I said earlier. If you can find people to treat it, you know, like a business within a business, they're the best employees to, to have because um, they, they motivate themselves and they, they, they're driven. Um, and you don't have to worry about kind of, you know, loads of sick days and, and lateness and all of the annoying things that, that, that annoy most employers. Um, so, yeah, that's, um Yeah. I don't have any stuff, but it sounds like a headache. <laughs> obviously, oh, in time with growing, growing the businesses, obviously the, the sourcing business want to bring in bring in a team team on that side. But obviously, the lettings of property management as well. You know, we'll need a lettings manager at some point. We'll need you know we'll need people in. But, but 
all the challenges I'm hearing, you know, so if there's anyone out there listening who does employment and HR services for a living, then get in touch. Give us a pointers. <laughs> to be honest, what I think would be a good shout, a good idea um, for anyone that doesn't want to take this kind of issue is maybe offer small amounts of equity to, to staff um, if they've been with you for a certain amount of time um, or to make an X amount of revenue. Um, because yeah, if they if they feel like they've got an investment in your property that uh, in your in your business, then it should drive them to work harder. They're going to think I'm working for myself now. Yeah. Um, so that that would be that'd be key. Treat it like a partnership, like uh, like John Lewis or, or Waitrose. I think that's how, that's what they do, don't they? Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, it sounds like a good idea. And like you say, you know, the more money they make for the business, the more they're going to get at the end of the the year, aren't they? Or the end of the quarter, or whatever. Whenever you decide to pay them out and give them a nice chunky bonus, but. Yeah, we try we try little other things um, to to kind of fuel motivation. We we recently bought in uh, this wheel. It's uh, like a you know like a you, you spin yeah, the yeah. wheel and it's got yeah I think there's like different, twelve different prizes on there. I think one's like a day off, which um, one of the lads won the other day. Um, there's half day. There's there's a breakfast with with yours truly up in Duck and Waffle uh, nice. <laughs> in, in London. Um, what else is there? There's some, there's some there's some good prizes. Um, there's like lunch paid for and, and all different things. Twelve twelve different ones. So that that's actually I found in, um, helped us. And I don't know why I didn't do it years ago because it's helped us in, increase output for sure. Um, and yeah, key thing is like I, I suppose if nobody if nobody does the challenge or or wins the the wheel and don't lower the standards, it's quite it's quite easy to fall into a trap of lowering the standards and saying, right, I know I said you've got to do. 500 calls this week to be able to get a spin of the wheel but um we'll we'll drop it to to 400 because no one got there i'm i'm saying no you you, <laughs> you i want to put it up to 550 yeah 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 i'm gonna put it up until someone does it <laughs> stop being lazy uh, so yeah, we, fucking do your calls. Uh, that's it yeah so we found that's um there that's that's helped with, with output um and yeah i'm starting to see some benefit on the back of that oh good do you think there's you know do you think there's any other sort of uh, strategies or any sort of gizmos like that that you'll introduce just to mix it up, keep that motivation going? Like I say, you've got to stay motivated, haven't you, in sales? So. Yeah, we well, we do. Um, I think structure is key. I think it's easy. And what we've done before is just kind of let someone loose on the phone and say, look, you've got, to, you've got to do X amount of calls. These are your targets. You've got to get X amount of clients. Um, crack on. Uh, but now we we've kind of I've sent a structure out um that I want all the sales guys to kind of adhere to. Um for example, first two hours of the day you you're cold calling your your UK based SMEs um or or calling your you know prospects. Um with a view to just selling our, our vanilla foreign exchange services, import export, finance works, etc. Um sort of eleven till twelve, calling back you you're doing your warm calls, people you've already spoke to, people who we, we've demonstrated good savings too uh, and are keen to get a- applications done uh, and come on board. Um, after lunch, invoice finance. Um, so we, we, we've got a, a number of um, partners that do um, all ranges of finance. So we act as like a broker. Um, so invoice finance is key for, for SMEs uh, and gr- generally growing companies yeah. uh, that are looking to kind of bridge the gap between invoicing their customers and getting paid because um, cash is king with business and if you're waiting three months to, to get paid from your customers and it slows down other business processes 
So an hour um, after lunch, just just prospecting for invoice finance customers. Um, and then we've got some, we, we, we're doing more work with emerging markets now as well. So getting funds out of um, emerging market countries, places like China, uh, LATAM countries, uh, Asia and Africa. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes it's a bit tricky to get funds out of these, these jurisdictions, but we, we're, we're able to do it um, and relative, relatively cost-effective way of doing so as well. Um, and then, yeah, sort of four o'clock, just, just kind of preparing yourself for, for the next day, I suppose, building your lead lists and, and going over whoever hasn't answered earlier. Um, but we're, we're pretty much out the door at five o'clock, which is, which is always That's been... That's good. And have you found that structures started to work? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it just keeps it fresh. Um, yeah. You're not just plugging away. You're, you're breaking, it feels as though you're breaking your day up. Um, so if you know, oh, right, I've only got to do this, I have these conversations for this amount of time, uh, it's getting a bit tedious now, right? I'm going to move on to something completely different and, and a bit fresher. Um, and we'll, we'll also, if someone's having a particularly bad day, um, say if they're getting a lot of no's and they, they feel as though everyone at the end of the phone hates them, um, we'll do a bit of training. We'll just say, right, put the phone down. Let's let's go over um, some training. What what you're kind of missing, or or what's the reasons you're having these calls? Uh, it's easy to say, oh, because everyone at the end of the phone is uh, X, Y, and Z. But nine times out of ten, it's you. It's reflected in your tonality. Yeah, we uh, talked about earlier, didn't we? Yeah, how you're talking on yeah. the phone, your enthusiasm, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll try and work on that. Do a bit of training and and try and break that cycle. Brilliant. So, you know, there might be some uh, some listeners who might be your ideal client. So what is, what is your ideal client? You obviously touched on SMEs then. In terms of the the FX, what what services in layman's terms are, are you offering? You know, if a business rings you up or you or someone, one of the listeners gets a call from you, what, what, what are you offering to them? So we have got a number of services now. We started off just with vanilla FX um, and that was for SMEs, corporates, and private individuals, anyone that needs to change their currencies up um, to, for an investment or, like I said, SMEs is probably our main focus. So any any company that imports from overseas um, to sell their goods in the UK or any company that's, that exports and um, has customers over anywhere around the world, um, they'll have to obviously make payments. They'll be invoiced by their suppliers in euros, dollars, um, CMY, um, or Turkish Lira, whatever it is. Um, so we, we just facilitate those transactions. We just tend to do it much, much cheaper than um, than the banks. Um, the, the easiest way to describe it is, obviously, there's an interbank or mid-market rate that every bank and broker buys and exchanges at. Um, SMEs and private individuals and corporates don't have access to these rates unless you're Tesco's or something, I don't know um so they'll, they'll essentially um they'll come to someone like us we can buy wholesale from the banks and we're just able to we can pass the savings on to to to, to our customers yeah so if you've got one customer who's been with their bank for uh, 20 years 30 years they've never looked at using a broker before um they've never even looked into exchange rates or, or know they can get better exchange rates they might be paying two three percent with their with their high street bank um, if you've got if you've got someone that's turning over a million or, or two million, uh, that quickly adds up. You know, that's twenty, yeah, it's a bit of dough, 20 30 grand a year. That's someone's salary, potentially two people's salaries, on an unnecessary FX cost. So we just we can cut that in half, okay? Um, and or even you know, if it's a big enough margin, we'll, we'll do more. We'll do 
more than half. So we make sure it's you know, really competitive. Um, that's the FX side of things. We're also putting in more and more invoice finance facilities. Um, so as I said earlier, uh, bridging the gap between invoicing your customers and getting paid. Uh, and there's two types of ideal customer. It's those that already use invoice finance um, and they give their customers credit terms. <clears throat> um, maybe they don't use invoice finance already, but they give their customers credit terms. So they're waiting 30, 60, 90 days or longer to get paid by their customer. Um, we, can, we can fund their invoices from day one um, up to 95%. Um, most invoice invoice finance customers will charge uh, uh, providers, sorry, banks, etc. will charge uh, a minimum. So they'll work out whatever your turnover is, take a percentage of that and you'll pay a minimum amount every month. Um, ours is a pay-as-you-go solution. So, so you could never use it, but then you could say, right, I've just invoiced my biggest customer. Um, they owe us 100 grand. We're not going to get it for three months, but I really need to make another order uh, and import something um, to, to keep... You know, business going, or I've got a VAT bill to pay, or whatever. I could do with that cash now. Yeah. Um, we're lending out from it's it's something like less than well about 0.8 percent a month if you borrow for one month. So it's, it's something like 0.0275 percent a day, or something silly like that. Um, and it's great because um, the our customers customer doesn't know they're using an invoice finance facility. Um, it's it's pretty much opaque in that regard. Um, and we'll also do the, the credit control uh, and the chasing for them. Um, so they sign up, they get a facility with us. Um, they upload their invoice. We essentially buy the invoice from them. Yeah. Um, and they've got that cash. They've got 95%, up to 95% of that cash from day one. Um, and then as soon as the invoice is settled, um, whenever it is, we chase the customer, obviously. As soon as that's settled, we, we send the other 5% less our fee. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty good to, to help people, you know, just it's more for there's a bit of a stigma around invoice finance. People think, ah, oh, I don't need to get involved in that. That's for people that, or for companies that don't really have a lot of cash. That's not the case. They're not really the clients that we we're targeting. It's more the ones that want to grow um, and need the cash that's just, you know, tied up in invoices now. Um, so there's that. So, then, so you've got the, the vanilla effects, SMEs, uh, private individuals. You've got um, invoice finance. And obviously other vanilla loans, you know, we've done plenty of loans for people that are expanding their, their premises or just want a vanilla loan for, I don't know, big order or whatever. Um, recently, we've done a lot more with uh, emerging markets, as I said, um, and some crypto stuff as well. Um, so we can do cross-border crypto transactions. Um, but yeah, emerging markets is key. There's, there's so many jurisdictions where they have uh, restrictions. The local, the local banks have restrictions on their currency. Um, so you can't export from from the, the currency from these places like nigeria for example getting nigerian naira out of nigeria is, is tough um china there's a lot of um i saw an article earlier so that there's so many chinese uh, high net worths that are moving out of china um uh, and trying to into the uk so obviously they need to move their local currency out of china into the uk and they need someone like us to be able to to do that essentially um historically it's been pretty cost effect uh well costly sorry um and slow can take sort of three to five days just to complete the funds transfer uh, but we've got a, a solution that they can do it in less than 24 hours and, it, and it's very cost effective um other jurisdictions as well india india have got restrictions on their um on their their currency so exporting that's quite tough and we can facilitate those as well so we're we're targeting as much of the market as possible and we're we're essentially trying to um, 
be able to replace all of the services that typical banks will will provide. So we can provide named accounts. Um, so if, if someone wants to hold their funds just on account, convert it into another currency, pay suppliers, receive from customers, repatriate foreign revenues, etc. We we can give them an account to do so. It's just at our exchange rates um, and not not the banks. Yeah. Sounds like you've uh, you've got a lot covered there and, you know, going from, like say, a few years ago to just doing the, your vanilla FX stuff to to covering all bases, essentially. You, you're ultimately the one-stop shop, aren't you? And it's interesting what you said about the, um, you know, like you're focusing the SMEs and, and, and the misconception out there of, you know, it's only the people that don't have the cash. You know, there's a, you need the cash to grow. You need that cash coming in quickly. Um, I'm going to switch it back to property as well. You know, there's a strategy called buy, refurbish, refinance. You buy a property cheap, refurbish it. You want to get your money back out as quick as you can to go buy the next. You know, similar concept, different, completely different sectors. But you yeah. know, it's 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 basically pulling on your resources as quickly as you can to to, to grow aggressively. Um, you know, and, and would you say that some of your clients who who are taking this up, you you might see a growth in them? Do you have that relationship with them to know how it does benefit them that way if they are growing? And I suppose going back throughout COVID. Was there an uptake in clients on that because of the uncertainty around people paying or did you sort of hold off on that because of the uncertainty of people potentially not paying and then you was at a higher risk? Yeah, so with the um, invoice finance facilities, we provide, um, well, our, our liquidity provider provides the, um, it's, it's, it's all in, like an all-in-one fee and that includes credit insurance. So that protects against bad debt. Um, so there'll be a credit check on the on the customer, uh, and if they're not a credit worthy customer, then obviously we can't lend against that invoice. Um, so I guess that it's through throughout COVID for that last year and a half, the government support in terms of loans on the most part has been pretty fantastic. To be honest, it's just you know ridiculously cheap loans um, that a lot of customers have taken advantage of. So there hasn't really been a huge need for invoice finance facilities. The, the, the conversations we're having for, with a lot of people is we've got loads of cash. We're sitting on cash. We're cash rich at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, so, um, yeah they, they haven't really needed it. Um, going forward, as people start to pay these loans back um, and as business starts to pick up and people start to grow again and, and certainty comes back into the market, then I think there's going to be a much bigger uptake. Yeah, which you're just going to rub your hands together and wait for i guess <laughs> yeah well that'd be nice um, yeah. yeah just need to get the lads sort of firing and um i think invoice finance if you haven't come across it before it, it can be quite overwhelming um so that that's what i've kind of um you know in doing training sessions with the lads when they first start it, it, it looks as though it's going in one ear and out the other because that that's how it was for me when when it first got explained to me i didn't really catch it straight away but um, as soon as you understand the fundamentals, obviously you can you can sell it relatively easy. Uh, but yeah, it's just getting people away from that mindset that it's only for potentially struggling companies and it's for people that want to grow. Um, recruitment companies, um, it's massive for because they, uh, especially the ones that have um, what do you call it, like temporary staff and have to pay monthly fees. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, but they, they don't get paid by the customer. For six uh, six months or, or whatever it is, um, it's it's key for for them. And some, these can be massive companies, you know. Some of these these recruitment companies and larger firms have got invoice finance facilities for for millions. Um, they're not badly off at all. It's just it's just key for growth, and it's going to fuel quicker. 
Smashing. So, you know, going, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the time. Um, going back a number of years, obviously you've come a long way since and, and like I've seen the growth. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, what would you say was probably been the biggest challenge from when you started out in property and take, taking a step back, if you was to give advice to someone who's about to start out in, in business, any, any sort of type of business, um, or they're thinking of leaving their job to go into business, what would you say to them? Um, I would say work as if you've still got a boss at the start. Um, don't change anything that, you know, from your, your employment, you want to work as if someone's breathing down your neck. Um, once you can, if you can maintain that mindset, um, then you're going to, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll do well. It's so easy to put your feet up. Uh, and not work as hard and and procrastinate and stick on the tv um but i i I tried to i mean i even when i was working from home i had bloomberg on on the tv um every day and made sure i was sat at a desk um well this was after the sofa days Uh, um this is when we moved did you put your suit trousers on instead of your your joggers yeah i didn't go that far um yeah just just got make sure you have a routine um make sure you you force yourself to do that bit of work at the start because it'll pay dividends later on um and also when it comes to when they you know if someone gets to the point where they want to hire people as i said earlier hire on attitude um that's that's pretty key um what other advice would i give can't think of it off the top of my head well, no, it's, it's, it's good advice. Like you say, um, work, working like your boss is breathing down your neck. I think that's important. And, you know, what I do as well, I make sure I get up in the morning, have a shower as if I'm going out the door to work, you know, get to a desk. I, I personally don't sit in joggers or shorts or anything like that. I have to have jeans and a top or sometimes even put a shirt on because then that makes me my mind think that I'm ready for work. So it means that I'm more in the zone to work. Um you know, if I put my joggers on or something like that, I just think, oh, you know, I can't be bothered. I just want to go, like, you know, well, Jeremy Carl's not even on anymore. What, what's something like loose women or, or um, what's it called this morning with Holly and Phil? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, I see, um, see the importance of that. And no, it's brilliant advice. Um, you know, it's, you're right it's, though. Um, we do, uh, we do casual Fridays every Friday. Um, so obviously Monday to Thursday, wear a suit. Uh, but Friday, obviously, it's a bit more casual. You don't have to wear a suit, and you notice that people don't work quite as hard because they're <laughs> they're not dressed for it. Um, so yeah, you're right there. Yeah, you have to say to them that if if you carry on not working, I'm going to have to put you back in your suits on the Friday. Back in your whistle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, what would you say your biggest achievement to date has been? This could be anything to do with you know, business outside of business, what, what would you say your biggest achievement is? Um, I mean, leaving my old job, um, I was in a fairly stable position um, and I was doing well for my age uh, and leaving that and, and well, kind of getting the, the balls to do it uh, and co-traveling enough, I think was, was quite an achievement. Um, it's not your conventional achievement as such, but for me it was um, because I was, as I said, I was very, very comfortable um, and a lot of people would potentially uh, stay put. I mean, I think my, my dad said, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're my an dad idiot. says the same about me every day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I, well, I have my mum saying, go for it. You know, you've got to do what you've got to do. But I have my dad saying, you leave that job, you're a fool. Um, I thought, you know, I, you kind of got to back yourself, you know, yeah. um, which Sean Brush it 
uh, our mutual mate said to yeah, me, yeah. he said, look, back yourself. You know, if you can get to where you were, then you can do it again, um, which is what I Probably thought. quicker. You can do it quicker because you've got the experience, the knowledge and the clients. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I thought I'll do it. And also, yeah, moving into our first office, I thought that was quite an achievement. No, but I bet it was nice to sign the lease, wasn't it? And think, right, this is our premises. This is where we're going to go wall for Wall Street, hell for leather and, and make some money. Um, I can imagine can imagine what it was like. But, you know, I think one thing as well I want to touch on then, obviously you said leaving your job and going travelling. Um, my dad said the same thing. I was joining the army. I was going officer. I got injured. Um, the September I flew to Australia would have been the September that I uh, would have started Sanders. You know, he was saying, oh, wow. yeah, uh, you got to start your job, you know, you got to work, don't go traveling. I just want to touch on traveling because I would say that for me, whether it's an, I wouldn't say it's an achievement, you know, it was a big risk. I flew out there on my own. Um, best thing I ever did. And I think that I learned so much and it's so cliched, you know, they say you find yourself, I wouldn't say I found myself, you know, smoking <laughs> weed in hippie trousers in, 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 in that weren't what it was about. But because I went out on my own, I had to make friends. I had to be, not be an extrovert, but I had to be confident. I had to go and do things that I might've been uncomfortable with. So since, since doing all of that, you know, worked in various jobs, met various people, still have a lot of friends out there coming back here, you know, moving up to Hull wasn't an issue. Like do, doing things like taking risks, you know, I've done them before. And I just think it means that because I've been out of my comfort zone, you know, I'm not afraid to go out of my comfort zone now. Would you say something similar? Cause they, they say, don't they? You only grow when you put out your comfort zone. If you're staying comfortable all the time, you're not growing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I've always, to be fair, I've always admired the fact that you you went out traveling on your own. Um, you, you met so many new people. You got your job at Peak Bound. You got me a job at Peak Bound. Um, you met your missus. You moved, you moved to Hull on your own. All these things, I, I take my hat off. Um, but no, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You you need to step out of your comfort zone to, to grow. And um, anyone that's thinking about going traveling, um, I'd say absolutely do it. Hundred um, percent agree with that. Definitely, but, that's what I say. But yeah, I mean, I I thought to myself when I was twenty two um, and about to go, I thought to myself, I need to go now, otherwise I'm never going to do it. I'm going to get stuck in my job. I won't do it. But I found that that's not really the case. Because um, I know people that are in their thirties and they're you know they're, they've taken breaks and they've gone and done it. Um, it's not a now or never thing. So if you need to stabilize yourself in your job, um, gain valuable contacts etc uh, then then absolutely absolutely do it um because it's not it's not it's not now or never um well unless you know unless you, unless covid happens yeah which, true obviously that's 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 put a spanner that's in probably, words, if anyone that's planning on going yeah but um in general no definitely and that, like i say I, I i definitely agree with that i think getting out of your comfort zone going ahead and doing it and i think what you said then back yourself you know you just got to do it and if you think you've got the ability just go ahead you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you learn. It's a learning curve, isn't it? I don't like using the word failure. If if shit hits the fan, what's the worst What's the worst that's going to happen? Lose a bit yeah. of money, maybe. You might have to go back in your parents and start again. Like like you said, you did it. Um, well, shit didn't hit the fan, but what I meant is like, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you obviously left your job, went traveling, come back, you started again. And look, would you say that, yeah, you're back yourself. Would you say that you'd never look back? It's the best thing you did? Oh, yeah. Best thing I ever did. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't change it for the world. No, brilliant. Perfect. And that leads me on then. What would you say is your biggest learning to date? Um, like I said, I don't like to use the word failure, but what, what would you say is, you know, 
in in life like say normal life business what would you say your biggest learning is or has someone you know ever sat you down and give you a little piece of advice or said something to you that's really resonated with you and you think do you know what i'm gonna hold on to that because that means loads um if i if i could talk to 15 year old me i would probably say finish your a-levels i didn't finish my a-levels um just hasn't really affected me but i'd probably say do it um if I had my time again, I'd probably like to have a go at university, um, but only if I was going to um, use the degree for something specific, like yeah. um, lawyer, doctor. I wouldn't go just for the fun. Um, not that I have anything against anyone that has done, because I've got plenty of mates that have done that and had, a, had an amazing time. So fair, fair enough. Um, I suppose that was my travelling, my, my, my year and a half. Um, in business, I, I guess biggest learning curve is the, the hiring. Um, like I said, I thought that it would be easy stick a script in front of people and the clients will come flying in. Uh, but yeah, that wasn't the case. Um, you need to be, I guess, a little more critical in your interviews. Um, we, I guess we kind of rushed the interview process a little bit. Um, we, we, we probably should have vetted um, would-be employees a little more because uh, the sales isn't for any for everyone and there's, there's certain attributes that you need to be able to do it and some of the people we took on in the early days just we should have seen it coming that they probably weren't cut out for it um so yeah i'd i'd, I'd pay closer to it closer attention to the the, the employment process ah oh, fantastic and uh you know it's great advice so if people want to find you dan you know if people are listening to this and one either want to use your services two they might be a shit hot salesperson. They want to get in touch for a job because they live down down the road, or you know, just to sort of follow your business, see what you're doing. Like you said, you're, you're focusing on now on the emerging markets. It might be you know on someone's radar in in the next twelve months. Or you're talking about crypto, then um, cross transfer or intercontinental crypto. Um, you know, where where can people find you? Then what, what's the best platform? Uh, website oceancapitalexchange.com. Um, we're doing a uh, bi-monthly blog as well um so every two weeks one of us in the office has has got the um um kudos of writing uh writing a, a nice blog um that's going to go up on the website where we're a member of the kent and victor chamber of commerce as well um so it'll go up on, on their member blog zone um and linkedin and stuff like that so yeah linkedin uh daniel swaysland obviously um ocean capital exchange uh facebook um yeah, or, or just give us a call. Brilliant. Listen, you've been amazing, mate. A lot of value in that call, and it's been good to have a, a proper catch-up and a, a deep-dive conversation. So, you know, um, thanks. And, and like I say, the listeners will, would have got a lot out of this because I did, for sure. No, thank you, mate. Yeah, you've been, been a good host. And, uh, yeah, wish you all the best with this, mate. It's a fantastic idea. Thanks for listening to a whole load of property, business, and mindset. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you liked the podcast, please share it to others. In the meantime, to connect with Dan, follow him on Instagram at dancooper1992. Until next time.